what do I define about blowing up? You know what I'm saying? Like feeling better, living better, better location. What he failed to tell you was when you're on my time, I can reclaim it. I, and he left that out, so I'm reclaiming my time. Please, please respond. Are you ready? Who are you rooting for tonight? I'm rooting for um, everybody's life. Betting on black tonight. I'm sorry for the realness. Hey everybody, it's Whitney from WhitneyDanielle.com and NetworkInSpill.com. I'm excited because we have an episode today that's really, really important. You all know I had Women's History Month last month. We had a lot of really dope women on the show and we always, I mean, come on, we always have dope women on the show, but this month, you know, this is Financial Literacy Month for the month of April. So I wanted to make sure that I had some guests who were privy and knowledgeable in the financial and money area, whether it's mindset, whether it's getting your coins together, whether it's building business credit or building credit in general, we're going to have lots of great discussions this month. But to start us off is one of the, probably one of the most amazing and well-spoken and just fun to listen to people I have met on Clubhouse and really I've met online in the last couple of years. She's at the top of my list for guests this year. So I were, we're, she's starting off Q2, completely on the right foot here. I'm so excited for this conversation. This guest, her name is Natalie Bolin, and she is born and raised in Alabama. She's been on Clubhouse for a bit. We connected there, and I just I saw how powerful she was on these stages talking about money. And I just I'm like, I can listen to Natalie speak all day. And you guys may remember I had another Natalie at the top of the year on the show. These two Natalies, I promise you, I promise you, could speak about anything. And I would literally sit there and just listen and listen and listen forever. And so I want you all to take some notes. I want you to tap in. I want you to follow Natalie on Instagram. I definitely want you to tap in with her on Clubhouse. All of the information will be in the show notes. Um, If you have your phone out right now, go ahead and pull up IG. And I want you to type in unapologetic wealth. That is Natalie's IG page. You'll have her link in bio there with all of the stuff that she's working on and doing and you know how she works with her clients. And so we're going to get into that part. But without further ado, hello, Natalie. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here and I appreciate the warm welcome. Of course. Of course. Yeah. So we met on Clubhouse, I don't know when, but it was a little, a little while ago. And so I just, I want you to tell the people, right, as a coach, you're a money coach, you're a wealth coach. I like to say money mindset coach because I feel like you really help me and other people get our mindsets around money together. But can you just give us a quick synopsis as to how you even got into this industry? Because I don't think I've ever heard you say that. Oh, yay, a new story. So I had been in banking for almost seven years. And it was really a redemption for me. I went to college and, and you know, everything right. I was a goody two-shoes in high school and I followed on into college. I made straight A's and I worked two jobs and ended up losing my scholarship and taking out student loans and, you know, just scraping by. I never bounced my checking account. I stayed on a budget. But frankly, I didn't have a lot to show for all this working that I was doing. And through a series of unfortunate events, a bad breakup, losing my job, having a health scare. I ended up filing bankruptcy in my 20s. And it really rocked my self-confidence and self-esteem because I had been so meticulous about my money. And I just couldn't figure out 
where this track had gotten off, where this train had gotten off the tracks, right? And so I said, you know what? This isn't a defining moment of me. I'm going to do what I've always done. I'm going to get in banking and I'm really going to help people. And unfortunately, I got in banking and it was product-based, right? When you go to the bank, they don't really talk about financial literacy with you. They talk about getting you into a product, a checking account, a savings account, a credit card. And if you don't qualify for whatever reason, there's very little discussion about how you could qualify in the future. I found myself turning down quite a few people and those people were increasingly started to look like me. And I realized I wasn't doing the work that I had thought I was going to be doing. I wasn't making the impact that I had hoped I would be able to make and that our people were falling further and further and behind. And uh, the pandemic hit and Clubhouse boomed, and I was able to talk to people and get them up on stages and really hear what the issue was. And it dawned on me, right? You can't budget your way out of poverty. You just can't. So what most of us are doing will never become wealth. It is impossible. Most of us are working ourselves to the bone in lower paying jobs, or we have okay paying jobs, six-figure jobs even, mid-six-figure jobs, but because we have no financial acumen or savvy, we have nothing to show for it year after year after year. I meet people who gross a million dollars and bottom line, they don't, they have nothing to show for it. So I really was able to get energized around this work of how can I change people's mindset to where they become a success and start to attract things into their lives that will continue to grow their wealth instead of what typically happens, which is we get discouraged, we get overwhelmed, we get burdened, we take on other people's problems and we die middle class with a GoFundMe account open. So I, I, I'm really passionate about helping black and brown people, especially women, step into the wealth they deserve and desire because it, it's possible for us. It is. It is. And I like how you said we can't budget ourselves out of poverty. I think that's a, it's a very important sentiment to remember because you get all this pressure from financial gurus, even, you know, the the Dave Ramsey's or whomever else is out there, right? It's all about budgeting and budgeting and budgeting and budgeting. And, and it can be overwhelming for folks to budget when they're on already a very strict just budget with all the stuff that they've got going on, just regular life things. It's just crazy, especially with all the things happening now, right? Inflation. I was looking at, literally today, I was looking at some soup and it's crazy. This one one particular brand that I'm obsessed with and I have been for years, the price is like significantly gone up for soup. Just regular soup, one item. I'm sitting here and I'm like, damn, this is kind of crazy. Even my favorite water that I, I like this one, high pH water, it's really good, but the price has just skyrocketed. They're basically charging double for it at this point, these big, huge 1.5 liter packs. So when you look at our surroundings, gasoline is crazy. I was in San Diego a week ago. The fuel prices are wild. I don't think I've ever seen $6 gas, like regular fuel before. So we have all these things going up around us, but not all of our incomes, right? Our salaries are increasing while everything else tends to as well. The housing market, lodging. I mean, it's just, it's very stressful. So yeah, when you started getting on stage talking to people, I think it opened up people's eyes about what they could do and how they can get around it and what, and just how, how to make it work for them. So can you talk a little bit about some of the transformations you've seen people have, even just on online or on Clubhouse, just as, as since you've been on these apps? 
Yeah. You mean transformation like my clients or just how the coaching industry is transformed? No, no. The first one, just like clients you've talked to or just people where you've seen like the light bulb come on and they've had this sort of aha moment. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I take my clients through an exercise called the low ticket nightmare. And I literally make them chronicle, like journal all the bad things that have happened when they have worked for free or given a discount or sold something way cheaper than they knew that they should have. Because the human brain likes to repress unpleasantness. So people will launch and do something small because they forgot how something went before. And I had a client who I had convinced. I'm like, look, you need to sell this thing for $10,000. I know that's scary, but hear me out. When you have sold a $500 package, remind me of what happened. When you had that $1,000 12 week thing, remind me what happened. She's like, no, 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 this isn't going to work. No one's going to buy it. And I'm like, well, we're just going to gamble it. Try it out. Sure enough, she offers it and had like six people buy it. And so it, it really is amazing when it works. We have been taught uh, almost all people, but especially women, that we have to be nurturing and giving. We have this mothering kind of complex. And so often I meet women who really are unhappy, but they can't express their unhappiness because society doesn't think it's kind or proper to complain when you help people. Oh, you're doing a good work. Keep up the good, the good job. What good is a good work that leaves you broke? There's no nobility in poverty. There's no nobility in middle-classness. There's no nobility in getting a bill and having to wait two, three weeks before you can afford to pay it. To me, there's no good work in that. That's not a good work. That is abuse, right? And I refuse at this point to let myself or any of my clients or any of the people I've run across on Clubhouse to not be at least exposed to the idea that they deserve to make a lot of money. I mean, I can't quantify the shifts that have happened because it's not just dollar amounts, it's confidence. When you're able to step out and say, you know what, this is my value as a person now, this is my value of my offer, and I'm gonna charge it and someone's gonna pay for it, that alone is a win. Whether or not it sells is really inconsequential. It's how you feel about yourself. And once you have a feeling that you are an elevated being and that now you have a belief system that has set you up for success, you cannot quantify the shifts that start happening. People have happier marriages. I have a client who's released 27 pounds, not because she went on a diet, but because we really got her in line with her mindset and who she is and who she believes she is. And now that she believes she's at her highest capacity, she has no need for that weight. Her body's literally been carrying on this excess weight for the inferior person she used to believe herself to be. You, you really can't put a, a quantifiable dollar amount on, on the changes that I've seen in some of my clients. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Mindset is powerful. And I think a lot about confidence. I think a lot of people listening and a lot of people who I've seen online, uh, especially in, in the entrepreneurial space, right? And even too, I guess, in corporate, we see a lot of people in corporate trying to negotiate their worth, right? To a degree and figure out salaries that are going to help get them to the next level. I see it a lot on Twitter, especially like black tech Twitter. It's a lot of people getting into tech 
and talking about that and, and getting excited to step into making more money. And that's just really, really powerful to people in corporate who may not have had that opportunity had they been in a different industry or, you know what I mean, hadn't spoken up. We've all seen these tweets. Most of us have seen these tweets. But then when you look at the entrepreneurial space, you've got people who, to your point, aren't charging what they should be charging or what they could be charging or what they want to be charging. And it has to be a lot about the confidence and the knowing that you can produce and you can help elicit some kind of result for someone on a regular basis, right? Being able to help facilitate that change, especially in the service-based industry. So can you, I mean, with the confidence piece, I know you've got to get this question a lot or you see it maybe more with the the lack of confidence that people have in themselves. Yeah. You mentioned women are nurturing, but we're also, a lot of times we don't stand in our power uh, truly. I mean, at least not for long periods of time. So do you agree? Do you see that a lot? What do you say to people who don't have that, that confidence? This is probably the most frequent question that I get. You are absolutely right. Here's the thing. Most people think you get confidence and then you do the thing. So they are waiting for confidence to spring forth and they are waiting and they are waiting and they are waiting. But in reality, you do the thing and then you become more confident. So you have to already have a foot out there. We're, we're always kind of waiting on a feeling to strike. Something's going to happen in our lives and we're going to magically decide that we're ready to launch a business. When have you ever felt ready to do anything? When I was 18, I didn't feel ready to go to college. When I graduated college, I didn't feel ready for a full-time career. When I got my MBA, I didn't feel ready. When I worked at the bank for years, I didn't feel ready. When I got securities licensed, I didn't feel ready. When I started coaching, I didn't feel ready. When I bought this house, I certainly didn't feel ready. When I married my husband, I was freaked out. Are you kidding me? We were dating like six months and we got married. I've never felt ready for any transitionary period in my life. I did it anyway. So a lot of us are waiting to feel ready. And until we feel ready, we don't move. And that's why we're stuck and stagnant indefinitely. You want to have confidence, you're going to have to give your brain something to work with. Your brain needs some kind of success to be able to anchor to. So think about a time in your life when you were successful. Even if it was in a whole different field. I don't care if you're a pharmacist and you want to be a career coach. Think about a time that you caught a, what could have been a potentially fatal drug interaction. And because of your expertise and your sharp eye, you caught it. That is, that is a flex. A lot of people would have missed that and the patient would have been dead. So take that confident moment and think about how you can move that and that transferable skill into something else. I also like to ask myself, if I were a man, would I have trepidation doing this? Like, I always like to call into question whether what I'm feeling is valid or whether it is societal training or patriarchy, right? If I was Nathaniel, would anybody give a damn if I've doubled my rates? The answer is no. If I was Nathaniel, would anyone call me aggressive or bossy? Nope. I would know because my daddy is Nathaniel and he is something else. He will curse you out. My daddy is off the chain. And you know what people never tell him? That he's too much. And he's at least three or four more muches than me. So when people tell me I'm too much, what they really mean is I'm too much for a black woman that is 34 years old. That's what they're actually saying. They just don't finish that sentence. 
So I just don't let other people's opinions move me one way or the other. I ha I'm very intrinsically motivated. I don't give a damn if people like me. And that's probably my best quality. And most people who have low self-esteem and low self-confidence, that is where it stems from. They look to others for acceptance and love and 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 they aren't intrinsically mo they're extrinsically motivated and they're waiting on someone to accept or approve and until they can get that approval from others they they feel lacking but the problem with looking to others for acceptance is they're dealing with their own demons and they may not even accept themselves right and you've always got your success hinged on another person i'm i'm, I'm prayerful i'm thankful that my success is only hinged on myself and God. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta go back. I gotta go back to Nathaniel and, and, and some of these, some of these things that you're, that you're saying, it's so true. And even before you got into that part, talking about I'm like in my head, rewinding back to the start of what you said, cause there were so many poignant moments and I know people listening are like, yup, yup, yup. Noted, noted. And so one of the things that you said about, finding that confident moment and and remembering that I think it is important to do that and to have that sort of track record of things that you've done, accomplishment that you've had. I've been watching people for years in this entrepreneurial space and I see people who are successful and I'm watching what they're doing. I'm watching how they're showing up online, how they speak to their clients, how they produce content, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the confidence that they have. And I find that I'm most attracted and, and I mean attracted in the sense of like actual, I look at them and I'm like, okay, yes, I'm zoned in. I'm zoned into what you are saying. I'm attracted to what you are saying. And I'm also attracted to how it's making me feel or me think. Want something, something is getting me going. And I find a lot of those people, they are, are being themselves. And the confidence to your point comes from the receipts that they collect a lot of times. And they know, they know that they can help you get the result. And so it's like, yeah, I know, I know I can paint your nails. Like it's like just factual. And so taking the facts and, and building on that, I think has been helpful for me. But one thing too, that I want to ask you is it also helps when we have people who we look up to who are very confident. So I know you mentioned your dad, but is there anybody in your, in your social circle of friends or of even biz besties, whatever you want to call them, colleagues? who you look up to and who you've seen confidence in, and that's helped to pour into you on those moments during those times where you weren't feeling super confident. Oh yeah. I keep a tribe, man. I keep, I keep a squad of people. Deanna Jean is probably one of the most exceptional, bold, unabashed salespeople I've ever met in my life. If I thought that she would let me hire her to run my outbound sales department, I would. She just makes too much money to take my my offer, but that that would be my goal. I mean, she just has no fear, and she goes out there and asks people for money. It's really really impressive, you know. Sandra Mackey, uh, we came to Clubhouse together. We, we joke, we came together, we leave together. She's been to every continent. She's been to over a hundred countries. And what I love about Sandra, not just as a person and her accolades, but she's you know child free by choice. She's unmarried by choice. And that was huge for me. You know, I really wasn't expecting to get married. Anybody who knows me knows that's the truth. My husband had pretty much vowed he would never get married. I was 33. He was 43. And we're both on our first marriage. So it really wasn't in the cards for us, or at least we felt that way. So being able to have a role model that wasn't so tied up in what society expects women to do, they expect us to spit out these children. 
And I literally had a man once tell me that he would only choose a wife, you know, based on her fertility, basically. And I was just like, wow, like I'm really been reduced down to an organ in 2020. That's that's really wild to me, you know. So having people that 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 don't give a damn about that, that's like 50 and it's like, no, I'm not marrying you and I'm not having your kids and I still have lots of value. That's powerful. You know, Natalie Taylor, who you mentioned earlier, I mean, how could you not listen to her and be inspired? My sales coach, Linda Hales, is is really badass and is like, look, I don't care how you feel about me. If you like me, you don't like me, but you're going to pay me 15K. That's, that's an incredible thing to say to somebody and people will pay it. Darnielle Jervy Harmon, who's been a millionaire or at least a million dollar business since 2014, you know, anytime I'm like, man, I don't know if somebody's going to pay for this, man. I don't know if anybody's going to buy this, man. I'm not really sure about this. She's like, look, you want to get to a million dollars or not? <laughs> you want to get to a million dollars. This is what you need to do. You need to charge 25K and then you only need to get X number of people in your business the whole year. Right. She ain't with this 397, 497, 597 shenanigans. Get get all the money. And so I have, I have so many people, you know, Caroline, my messaging coach, is actually helping create my new signature offer that will not be low ticket. And I my first my brain was like, eh, I don't know. I've always had some entry level. I've always had something, you know, thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars. You're talking about double that. And she's like, it is what it is. It's time. So not just having people who like you or who you like, but having people around you that will not let you waver and slip back in your bad habit, having an accountability partner like my IP attorney, Nicole Anderson, we talk once a week. She does not let me backslide. She does not let me not rest when I said I was going to rest. She, she literally told me to clear my calendar for one day this week, and I did it. Because I know if I don't do it, I'm going to hear about it. Like she will call me and make sure that I am not working. So having having people around you, it's, it's the difference between being successful and not being successful. It's part of why I quit my job at the bank because I started seeing a trend. When I would have white men who would come in and apply for business accounts, they would never come in alone. Not never. Rarely. They would come with their friend, their golf buddy, their attorney, their accountant, even if it was just their dad. Didn't have to be someone involved, but they, they had support. And all the years I worked there, I, I can only count on maybe one hand the number of black people and the number of women who came in and had support. We were always running sole proprietorships by ourselves with no support, no business plan. And that made the difference. And you can't help when you see these statistics about what black women run businesses make $24,000 gross for the whole damn year. Is, is gross for a reason. That's crazy. And and what white male run businesses, just like over 300K a year. When you look at that gap, I can't help but think it's because black women have been trained that it is a weakness to get help. It is a weakness to ask for help and that if you want done, something done right, you need to do it yourself. I can't help but think that our isolation is the reason that we don't earn in alignment with our purpose. Mm, that's true. It's absolutely true. And one of the things I think to your, a lot of the women you mentioned, by the way, are going to be on the show or have already been on Network and Spell at some point this year. Uh, Natalie was on the show. Deanna was just on the show two, three weeks ago. So y'all who are listening, like this is a real circle, right? This is a real true circle of influence, social circle of 
peers who are connected online. We don't live in the same place, right? I don't live in Alabama. I don't live in New York where Deanna is or the other Natalie that I spoke with. Um, I think, where is, where is Natalie Taylor in? I can't remember. Is it New Jersey? Mm, New Jersey. That accent throws me. I thought she was still in the islands. No, I don't think so. I can't remember. But the point, even if she was in the islands, right? Even if she was, we're all in different places, but yet we're all so connected online and hopefully in person when we get to see each other in the in this year and the next year as things start to open up and we get to go to conferences and events and do things, blah blah blah, see each other speak on stages. But it is important to have those those solid people around you. Um, Sandra does a lot of travel. She'll be on the show at some point. And it's very inspiring being around her, hearing her speak about her adventures and things that she likes to do, traveling alone, making sure that you know you have time to enjoy the fruits of your labor. A lot of us are online talking about work, talking about our businesses and funnels and conversion rates and ads. And this is and this, like we hear so much of it on Clubhouse and on Instagram if you're in these spaces. But not many people are talking about rest and leisure and enjoying yourself. And if they are, it's like, it's completely random influencer type stuff or travel blogger type stuff or travel influencer blogger type stuff. It's different. So I just, I love that we can, we can be connected, we can work, we can enjoy ourselves, and we can also surround ourselves with people who are going to help us if we start to falter or flail or struggle or, you know, sometimes you just get burned out. Sometimes you just get burned out. Clubhouse, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, going live all the time. This stuff can burn you out. And it's nice to be around people who are going to be there for when you're like, yeah, no, I need a break. I, I can't this week. I don't want to co-mod a room. I don't want to go live. I don't want to do this. I don't want to get dressed this week. For You know what I mean? Like having that balance is really important. So you left your job. Now you're doing your business full time. So tell us what a day in the life is like for you, whether it's clubhouse starting. What, what is your typical day look like? More than it ought to be more than my rest coach tells me to do. <laughs> yes, I hired a rest coach. It was, it's, it's at that point. It's, it's there. It's happened. In, in an ideal world, I should be meeting with clients on the first and third week of the month. And then the second and fourth and potentially fifth week of the month should be for podcast recordings and admin and leisure. But in real life, I have 18 different priorities right now, 18. And so between the website revamp and the photo shoot and the course with Dream Pro and my one-on-one clients and my group program and the travel and the, the, the messaging and the branding and the coffee chats and the sales calls and hair appointments. And yeah, it's a lot. Right now, I would say I'm working more than I was working at the bank, but I do recognize that I'm in a season of growth right now, that this is not permanent. And that once I get the site up, it will actually be less work because it'll be less of me fielding in the DMs, right? Like once I get the course built, it'll be less work because I'll have to sell it, but I won't have to be delivering it. Once I get you know, the messaging and things hammered out and the copy done, it's done. So ask me in June, as of right now, it is unhealthy workload, I will admit. I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. I mean, I think when a lot of people 
have this where they are in corporate doing one thing and then they transition to doing their full-time entrepreneurship stuff. And it is a lot. It is a lot. And I think people forget how much work it is when they see all the people online saying, yeah, I quit my job and I'm working full-time. And not a lot of people talk about how busy it is and how overwhelming it can be. And it's important because we don't... (laughs) It's nice to know this going in. So for those people who are listening to the podcast right now and they're like, yeah, I want to quit my job too. I work at a bank or I work at this company or I work in corporate and I'm doing this and I really would love to to scale my business so that I don't have to do that anymore. It is important to remember, right, from people who are doing it or who have done it, especially those who've done it recently, that it is a transition. There's a transition period. And so in the beginning, it's going to be a lot. Um, with the intention that you have the right people, you have the right resources and tools to help you make sure that you can create a balance that works for you. And that's what I've seen so many people doing. I've seen people get to that place where they're really just kind of cruising and it gives them the ability to start being even more creative than they were and being able to do things, right? The minute you can start to outsource and like you said, streamline what you're doing, it creates a space many spaces for you to be able to get into your creative genius mode and and do different things. I know when I spoke to you a while back, you said that one of the things you wanted to do was speak more like on stages and get really, really big into that arena. Is that still a goal for you? And if so, why? Oh, it's definitely still a goal. Speaking is my gift. But like most people who have had a gift, that can be the most elusive thing to monetize. And so right now, coaching pays the bills, so I coach more, but I do have a big speaking engagement coming up. I'm actually going to be a speaker at the Patio Chick Con in August with Deanna Jean. And so that will be a huge opportunity for me and an in-person event for people to hear my voice and get used to hearing me speak. I'm proud of myself. I don't do, you know many like i'll i'll do a free speaking gig like at a local church something like that like a non-profit but if you run a for-profit business you're going to have to pay me if you want me to show up and speak so i'm excited about building my speaker repertoire and getting you know a lead magnet for that and kind of getting that built up it'll be a page on the site for sure but you know it's always a work in progress absolutely yeah speaking i mean like you said we actually had Brian Olds from the Black Speaker Network on the show uh, back in February. And yeah, I've learned a lot from Brian and his crew and that whole group of incredible people and how they've been able to monetize. And I'll have more people from the Black Speakers Network, just so that you guys know, on the show so we can hear about their journey in, in the speaking arena because I find it to be super interesting. And to Natalie's point, when speaking is your jam, it really is interesting to see people who make money really just doing that. I, like Natalie, like to coach and, and work with people one-on-one at that, you know, in the same regard. But speaking is really fun and it involves the travel that I like so much. And Also, you still get the networking and you get to meet other people and go different places and stuff like that. So I'm glad that you have this event coming in August. And for those who are interested, we'll definitely make sure we put a link so that you guys can tap into that event. Shout out to Deanna and the rest of the crew from Clubhouse. But yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Okay. So you've got, you're working through your schedule. You're doing your thing, getting into a groove. You've got speaking gigs coming. You're also looking to expand that. You're going to be creating a course to help offset doing a lot of the same things over and over and then make it streamlined and organized and have it in a special place. I'm loving all of this. 
Hey, can we take a pause real quick? I just want to let y'all know this is exclusive and time sensitive. If you're hearing this, there's a really good chance that either I have a spot open or I have a spot opening on my one-on-one program that I offer. So I only do four slots at a time because this is like the most intense, thorough, intimate way to work with me ever. This is my creme de la creme, like four bad bitches only. This is for solopreneurs who have a nine to five, who work in corporate, who have some sort of job that they are doing and that they're doing really well, but who also have a side hustle or a business that they are running on the side and they want to build and streamline their goals towards. A lot of us have strategy. A lot of us have plans here and there, but most of us don't have accountability. A lot of us don't have a support system that's solid. And the rest of us aren't organized and have strong boundaries, have routines, like all of that. So I'm going to help you get it all together. This is a three-month intensive one-on-one coaching program where you have full access to me via Voxer. We have seven, seven one-on-one calls with each other throughout the three months, and you get routines. You get customized affirmations and audios and all kinds of things to help you succeed. So check out the link. It's in the show notes. It's also on my website, WhitneyDanielle.com. If you have questions, DM me, send me an audio note. Let me know. If you know someone who needs to get their shit together in this manner, send me their information. I will totally hook you up for the referral. That's it. That's all I wanted to say. Let's get back to the episode. For 2022, right? We've hit the second quarter. What else is on your mind? recently. I know you at the beginning of this call, I don't know if we had hit record yet. You had said that you were in a season of flux. Tell us what is going on in Natalie's world in the next three or just in the next six months, really for you. Hmm. There's so much, you know, I think I have always had an attachment to money and I've always wanted to be in the financial arena and I applied or I was going to apply to speak at FinCon and I read all the categories and realized I don't talk about any of those things. I don't teach people how to get out of debt. As a matter of fact, I think you should use leverage if it'll help move you faster, move you further faster. I don't talk about credit repair. I don't put people on budgets. I think budgets are dumb at this point. They're restrictive. People don't stay on them. They resent you. They resent the budget. They stop doing the work. I think saving is important and tax strategy and estate planning. But frankly, I'm starting to think there's somebody better to talk about that. I think the best thing for me to be talking about is elevating your wealth consciousness, which really has nothing to do with money at all. And so I'm really kind of at a crossroads, whether I'm deciding, am I even going to have offers that actually talk about money, the physical embodiment, the currency, or am I only going to talk about the mindset that it will take, right? If you believe that you're an athlete, you'll wake up every day, you'll exercise, you'll eat right, and the weight will melt off because you can't be a couch potato and an athlete. So once your brain believes you're an athlete, it will move you forward in that course of action. You won't need as much strategy and tactic. It will just happen for you. So if you believe that you are a wealthy person, if you really accept in your consciousness that you are in a state of abundance and that everything that is moving on God's earth is moving on your behalf, if you truly believe that, then money will just show up in your bank account. And I know that sounds like woo and really crazy, but that's the truth. If you feel great about yourself, it's going to embody in your clients. 
I had a, a problem client that I fired and I had a tinge of regret. You never want to let people go. You don't want to be perceived as mean. You don't want to be doing too much. But I was in a bad energy about it. And I was like, I'm not going to be able to show up as my wealthiest self with this funky energy. When I tell you I fired her and when I woke up the next day, I had three sales calls booked for next week. Two of whom I didn't even know were following me and had never even spoken to. They know what it costs. They're ideal clients and they're booked on my calendar for next week. Now, I can't help but think that because I released the energy of this client who wasn't a good fit, that that's why the universe didn't give me three more to spare. I can't help but believe that. And the more that you believe how you show up matters, the less the strategy and tactics make sense. How many times has someone taught you how to do something and it still didn't click or you still didn't do it? If information was really the key to success, then, then black people would be the most successful people in the world because we're the most educated. Black women get degree after degree after degree. That's how we solve all our problems. We go back to college. But is that really what I want to be known for? Do I really want to be the debt slayer? Do I want to be the credit person? Do I want to be the real estate guru? Or do I really just want to be flat-footed in the idea that I teach people how to increase their wealth consciousness? Side-eye be damned, because I know a lot of people have no idea what that means. So that's the crossroads where I'm at right now. Am I going to completely turn my back on the actual finance world or am I going to find a way to sprinkle money in my stuff anyway? I just haven't decided. No, that makes sense. That makes total sense. I think it's like you're basically a financial thought leader or some kind of like success. It, 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 there's a lot of different terms. And I know a lot of us in the entrepreneurial industry know um, or the coaching industry specifically, like there's a, there's a coach for everything. There's a name for everything. And it's like, it feels like people are just pulling names out, but it's because I think one of the reasons is because we don't, most of us don't fit into like a box of sorts when it comes to how we want to run our business and how we want to create a legacy. We just don't. I get that there are health coaches out there and fitness coaches and life coaches and business coaches, but I've never really subscribed to any of those titles and I've struggled my entire time being a coach and, or even just the word coach with that industry of, of choosing what that looks like. And I think thought leader is the, the one thing I do like a lot. Speaker, sure, there's a lot of titles we can give ourselves. But to your point, yeah, if you want to pick a lane, it's it's often difficult to sort of choose that lane and and stay in it and be perceived always you know, the way that you want. So you have to make sure that you're showing up as the person that you want to be that you see yourself as, maybe it's your future self, right? That you're seeing into the future as, but you have to really own that today and show up as that person now. Because the more we, like you said in the beginning, kind of live in this space of, well, you know, I just, I'm seeing it happen to other people, but like, I'm not there yet. And we doubt and we go back and forth and we don't have the receipts that so-and-so has. So, you know, we're just going to sit here and wait until we have the receipts. And it's like playing double Dutch. I don't know if you watch Abbott Elementary, but the a couple episodes ago, they were playing double dutch. And one of the teachers was about to jump in and she hesitated so damn long. Somebody else came in and started double dutching and was killing it, had a song, made up a whole song while they were doing it. It was hilarious, but it was also like, that's what it tends to be like in the entrepreneurial community. We're literally standing right there. And I know this because I've been, I've been this person. You're standing there waiting and you're like, you're kind of rocking back and forth. You're like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. And then you don't jump in. 
You don't jump in. Even if you jump in and the the rope gets caught, you know, and you end up kind of tripping and you look stupid and you have to start again. Like they don't even jump. They don't even like fully jump in and, and try. And that's, that can be really, that can be really tough. You know what I'm talking about, right? That like, that, does that analogy land? Yes, I absolutely do. I used to double dutch. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those things that I feel like a lot of us are struggling with. So when you work with people, figuring out how they can get from A to B, what tends to be your, the, the progress that you move people through? What is that? What is your ideal client typically? I know there's a range, I'm sure there's a range, but what does it typically, if you were to kind of like bring it to layman's terms, what would it look like? My clients are pretty homogenous. I'm not in the camp of I can help anybody. I don't believe that. My clients are really, really intelligent. Most of them will have a PhD. If not a PhD, they'll have a master's. Some of them have two or three masters. And they will either come in a tech field and be IT or systems and automations pros or other professionals like uh, accountants or attorneys, have a lot of attorneys. And they have three pitfalls. One, they overthink. And they're they're that double dutcher. They don't want to jump in because they don't want to jump in until it's just right. And you never know when it's going to be just right until you're in it. Two, they fear raising their price. They've either been working for free or working for damn near free. They have a, a community of people who expect them to work for free. They, their therapist or, or psychiatrist trying to move into coaching, they have that concern that, you know, if I don't help people, if I don't help needy people, if I don't help marginalized people, that I'm a bad person. I've turned my, my back on the field. So, you know, they've, they've really got some deep seated, I'm going to work for free issues. And three, they're terrified of sales, terrified. They're terrified of asking people for money, which is very logical if they're afraid to charge people. For their own work, if they think they should work for free, then I can understand why, you know, having a money conversation at all would be hard. So I usually start with people's origin, their their money story. What do you believe and when did you start believing it? For instance, most women I coach believe that making money is hard and and for good reason. Right. What do we always say? My hard earned money. I spent my hard earned money on this. What did your parents tell you? You think money grow on trees? I worked hard for this money. So that rhetoric is baked into our culture. I don't know anybody who wasn't given the hard work mantra and that it was an accolade. It was a good thing to be a hard worker. And so the problem is that if you have a gift like me as a speaker, I didn't prepare for any of this podcast. I haven't prepared for a podcast yet because when I show up, the words just come out and they're cohesive and they're dynamic and people want to listen. It's my gift. So if you believe that making money has to be hard, well, what do you do with the gift that comes easily? You give it away because you didn't have to work hard to do it. And since you didn't have to work hard to do it, you don't think you deserve to get paid. So if you got a core belief, like making money is hard, it will always be a struggle for you to raise your price. It'll always be a struggle for you to sell. It'll always feel bad working in your purpose. And so you'll do stuff that's not your purpose. I met a woman once who had an accounting degree, but she hated being an accountant. She wanted to be a business coach. But every time she would coach people, she coached them for free because it gave her so much enjoyment. She loved doing it. 
But what she didn't realize was that by charging for the accountant and doing the coaching for free, she was basically trapping herself into staying an accountant because being an accountant was paying the bills. How are you ever going to quit if you don't make any money in the side gig? You can't. And until we got deep down in her core belief, what do you believe? Okay, how can you intercept this belief and believe something else and do something different? And what does that look like? What coping mechanisms are you going to put in place? What boundaries are you going to set so that you don't slip back in your old way? How can we disprove this belief? Maybe I can get you around people who are working in their gift and getting paid. Sometimes even using performers. People love Beyonce. I would say that Beyonce is working in her zone of excellence. I mean, her zone of genius. I would say that. I would say that Beyonce as a performer is a performer genius. I don't care for her music, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you she's not excellent. So she's getting paid. She's making billions of dollars. Does she, is she not successful? So if Beyonce can do what she really, really loves and what she's really, really great at and make a lot of money, why can't you? And I think just having examples out there of you can do this thing, help some people. Because again, my clients are intellects. They're really, really intelligent. So that woo stuff don't work on them. I can't just tell them, believe that you'll be wealthy and the wealth will come to you. No, they need data, facts, dissertations, and I have lots of receipts. You do. You do. And I, I get that. I get that. I've been in the woo space for a bit. I, I do love it. You know, we all love a good affirmation, sit down here and there and the mirror work. We could talk about all the woo stuff all day long, but I do personally, we, we need, we need something a little bit more sometimes to help us get over some of the, the bigger blocks, right. That we have. It's just, it's really important that we do that. So if you are listening and you know that money is an issue when it comes to your business or when it comes to you being successful in some way, shape, or form, hopefully this conversation is helping to illuminate something, to confirm something. And if Natalie sounds like the right coach, I mean, I don't think it would hurt to just be nosy and check her out on the gram or listen to some of her rooms on Clubhouse and see. I think the, the selling part can be difficult. If, if you let it be, but if you're working with people and you're surrounding yourself with people who are constantly selling and are, are doing it with ease, then that's kind of who you want to be around. I've purposefully made sure that the coaches that I follow, the people, the entrepreneurs that I follow on my feed are people that are making money easily. They're not struggling. They're not, they're not having tons of issues around getting money. Sure, they may have to get rid of a client here and there or may have to turn down an opportunity to do something that they may have wanted to do or maybe they didn't get the speaking gig, whatever. There are still people who are out here doing their thing, living in their zone of genius and they're killing it and they're making money doing it. It is possible. Once I saw all the stay-at-home moms when I was, because Natalie, I got into coaching, like kind of doing uh, health coaching. That's I went in to learn about food and nutrition and I ended up with this health coaching cert and I'm watching all these women. You know, these are like middle-aged women, stay-at-home moms, right? They haven't really been anywhere and haven't really done much. They're not super exciting. You know, nothing about them is is fancier than anybody listening to my show. Like they're just basic everyday people and they're killing it online. I'm sitting here, I'm like, "Wait a minute. So you're telling me that Miss Joanna over here is killing it on the internet, talking to people about green smoothies and like whatever the hell. It blew my mind. 
it blew my mind. The coaching industry blew my mind of the, the capabilities, the things that were possible. And the more I looked into it, the more I realized, yeah, there is something that I could do. There is a space for me to do whatever I want to do. You got to be able to sell. You have to be able to put yourself out there and ask for that sale. Even with the podcast, you mentioned not preparing for the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you show up and you're doing your thing and you're confident about it, there's not really much. I know for a fact that I can keep a conversation going for however long I need to keep that conversation going. I know that for a fact. I've gotten very good at asking the right questions, filling in the space, whatever I need to do to keep it moving. And it's fun. It comes naturally. So finding that natural thing about each of us that we can do in exchange for some sort of monetary transfer, it works out. It works out. And so, yes, Deanna is really good at sales. I've seen her be unapologetic about it. And I've seen Natalie be unapologetic about the way that she's so passionate about helping people. And I've seen you be unapologetic about the way that you show up as a person, as a woman in business, looking to help others in your zone of genius and not trying to help everybody on the internet, right? You're not trying to convert every person on Clubhouse or every person that follows you on the gram and, and you've, you've siloed it. And I think that's important. So when people work with you, they can go through all of what you said of, of starting out with these particular issues, right? These little hurdles and, and roadblocks and speed bumps, whatever you want to call them, getting over to the other side of being affluent, getting the success, getting the clients, getting the sale, and it's got to be a beautiful thing to experience, right? So you've been coaching. How many years have you been have you been at it? Hmm. Years. Let's scale that back down. <laughs> let's wow. let's make that like one year. That's wild. That's <laughs> wild. And it's crazy because I've seen people who have been in the coaching industry longer than you and longer than me who don't come off as as confident or as knowing. And I just think that's important. And again, I, I realize that not everybody is here for the more, I call it pusher, the more pusher style energy where, you know, you push people. I like that. I personally know that I need that um, because sometimes you need someone who's a little bit more edgier or a little bit more outspoken than like the soft and cuddly coaches. I talk about this a lot and it's just, it's always been my thing, regardless of what it is. I did horseback riding. I was scared as shit to horseback ride. Was scared. I would go and I'd see little kids doing literal laps around me. And I'm sitting here like shaking. And I, I needed a teacher, a trainer who was going to be like, yeah, Whitney, I need you to do this. I need you to, yeah, mm -hmm. I know you don't want to. I know you don't think it's a good idea. I know it's uncomfortable for you. I know you're having all these feelings, but you need to go. You need to go do it. People like that are who have helped me to overcome some of those hurdles. And that's just a style that I resonate with the best. Um, so I think it's important to find the right money mindset coach, to find the right wealth coach, to even financial planner. It's important to find the right people to help coach you. So if what Natalie is saying resonates and it sounds good, I would definitely tap in and see what she's all about and see how she works with her clients more and see what she talks about. Because Natalie, you, you have some pretty dope conversations on Clubhouse. Do you have like a, a favorite room that you do or a favorite topic you like to speak on? Like tell me about or tell the people about your, your Clubhouse situation these days. Yes, my favorite series is the Black Women Need to Normalize. And the one that I led was Black Women Need to Normalize Making a Lot of Money. It was the most popular by far, the most interesting by far, because... 
we don't realize that we have not normalized luxury or wealth or making a lot of money. And at least when I was growing up, that was not normal. I did not know wealthy black women at all. I could not name them for you other than Oprah. <laughs> and I've definitely never met Oprah. And she certainly wasn't a role model to me. I barely watched television as a young adult. So someone who ran a TV talk show didn't really resonate with me as something I wanted to emulate or could emulate or would choose to. But that particular room was so powerful that we did three or four iterations of it. I did a really powerful room with Myron Golden, two rooms actually, where he talked about how you move to be an eight-figure business and the mistakes, the four mistakes that you're making that keep you from being an eight-figure business. That one really blew the, like that one was, was tremendous because I really don't do very many rooms with men. And I I'm, was still awestruck that that I had been able to attract the the attention of a multimillionaire, might be a billionaire. I I'm I'm still really shocked by it. And I don't, I don't really I don't really get tongue tied. But I was in the room thinking to myself, what on earth could I possibly say is going to add value to this room with this multimillionaire? But I was able to pull it out somehow. I did not swallow my tongue. I think the beauty of Clubhouse is that you don't know what you're going to get. You should follow me because things pop in my head. I go live. I say them. It's powerful. There is power in proximity. And Clubhouse has something that no other social platform has. And that is that it allows you to get up close and personal with your ideal client, but also with your potential coaches and mentors. You look at LinkedIn, you have to pay for LinkedIn premium to DM people you don't know. DM someone you don't know on Facebook. It goes in an invisible folder called requests, never to be seen again. DM someone you don't know on Instagram. She get blocked in a heartbeat. The clubhouse lets you get up close and personal with strangers, strangers with a ton of money that you otherwise would never have had access to and have a damn conversation with them. Still really incredible. I still can't believe the app is free. Definitely changed my life. We'll pay off my car. We'll pay off my house. And we'll definitely put us in a mansion. Clubhouse is, is the jam. It sure is. It sure is. And it's not too late to get on. I know a lot of people were like, I don't know about Clubhouse. I'm like, I don't know why you don't know about Clubhouse. But And they meant it in the sense of like, I don't know if it's for me. And it's like, yeah, it absolutely is. Especially if you listen to podcasts. Especially if you like to talk. Especially if you like to listen. Or you're one of those people that likes to have things in the, going on in the background while you are doing whatever tasks you're doing for the day. Uh, it really is a powerful app. And I got to tell you, I was able to pick, well, it was like 80 people. I was able to name 80 individuals who I felt like would be really great as features on my podcast. And that was just for this year. Just, it's wild. Like 80 solid people. And um, obviously I, I can't have all 80 on the show this year, at least not for my weekly series. I'd have to do something different to accommodate all 80. But like the point is, that's a lot of people for a show that's like 52 weeks minus, you know, a solo episode every week. So it's really a little bit less than that. So for me to get all those people corralled together and it's such a well-connected arena where, you know, we're at the point where people are dropping each other's names from other episodes. Like this is not the first time this has happened. I think that is so dope. 
And I'm glad that you've been successful from it and you've been able to have all these wonderful things happen and also be able to help folks. And then that room series sounds super dope. We do need to normalize women making, black women making a lot of money. I think that's very important, very important because we deserve it. We deserve it just as much as anybody else on this planet. And our time is now. Our time is absolutely now to get that. So, um, okay. So if people want to work with you, they go to the Instagram link in your bio. Is that the best way? Yeah. Yeah. My IG link changes around, but there's a book now button too, if they just want to book a okay. call. Perfect. So you guys can book a call and just for a refresher, the IG again, it's in the show notes, but it's unapologetic wealth. So if you look that up, you will find Natalie's page there. And if you look up Natalie Bullen on Clubhouse, you will find her profile there. So you can follow her. You can put the notifications on. So whenever she goes live in a room, you can you can get that notification popped up on your phone. And I will tell you this, a lot of times you'll find people and they just kind of do whatever in random rooms as far as like people who are in the space of influence. But I feel like when Natalie is on Clubhouse, she's typically there for a reason. It's intentional and it's purposeful. And she tends to rock with some really dope people. So I do feel like if you're going to have the notifications turned on for anybody, Natalie's one of like a a few people that I would absolutely advise you to turn notifications on so that you are online when she's in a room and she's having a conversation or she's doing a presentation or something to that degree, because we need these conversations more. We need these uplifting conversations, particularly for black women in business so that we are being poured into. This is whatever Natalie speaks. I feel like she's pouring into someone. She's pouring into someone who may be on E or maybe like super low and where their, their tank is or whatever you want to call it, their cup right? Their cup is not overflowing in this moment. Natalie comes by, right? And she just kind of pours some into everybody that I think hears her speak. And that to me is really, really powerful. And it's important because we need that, I think more often than we realize, you know, I think sometimes you don't realize how empty your cup is until it's empty. And by then it's too late. You know what I mean? By then you're burnt out. Yeah. You're burnt out. You're tired. You're like overwhelmed. You're this, you're that. And so having somebody to help, you know, keep you above that fill, you know, that fill line on your, on your iron, on your tea kettle, like that fill, keep above this level. That's really what we need more of is people who are helping us keep ourselves above that line and really pushing us to get to the top, whatever that top looks like for you. So this is such a dope conversation. Before we end, I just want to know, is there anything else when it comes to wealth, when it comes to this month of, of financial literacy, anything else, any tidbits, any quotes, any to-dos or a list of things that you want people to start doing, particularly Black women in business, whether they're corporate or not, to really focus on, hone into for this 2022 year? For corporate women, I need us to do better about our retirement. If you have access to a 401k, put money in it. We have about 30% of what white people have saved for retirement at the same income levels, might I add. So this isn't white people out earn us. It's that they outplan us. Everyone needs life insurance. I'm just going to blanket that. There's probably some multimillionaire laughing, you know, laughs in, in wealth and walks off into their, you know, golf court and tennis, whatever. But in, in real life, for most of us, if you're making less than half a million dollars a year, I'm going to need you to buy some life insurance. GoFundMe is not an estate plan. For us, it's really just going to be about being more savvy 
I want you to think about what the wealthy do better than us. It's four things. Wealthy people out earn us. They make more money. Two, they protect their money with insurances. They, they mitigate risk and they transfer risk onto insurance companies. Three, they protect their money with efficient tax strategies while they're living. And then four, they, they protect their money with efficient estate planning strategies when they die. So they make more money. They shield it from risk with insurance. They keep as much of it in their pocket as they can with uh, efficient tax maneuvers. And then even when they die, the IRS can't get to it because they hold it away in trusts and pass it down to their children. There's lessons to be learned there at every step for us. If you don't know what I'm talking about, get with an estate planning attorney. Talk to someone. Again, if you are siloed, if you run your whole business by yourself, you don't have consultants, you don't have business besties, you, you Googled your contract. If you don't have a team of educated, I'm not talking about your homegirls, I'm not talking about your mom. Unless your mom is a CPA, I'm not talking about your mom. I'm talking about actual business professionals that can move you forward. And I know what you're thinking. Natalie, that sounds great, but I can't afford it. If you can't afford to get the basic legal foundation and the basic financial foundation in your business, you're not in business. Raise your prices. Get what you deserve so that you can have the foundation to keep yourself in business. I'm, I'm going to park it there. Okay. I love it. And we'll make sure that we put some of these notes in the show notes for folks who want to go back, but definitely y'all pause it. If you need to pause it, rewind it, go back and make sure you take a little sticky note and you write this down. You're doing these things. Um, one of the things I get really irritated with is seeing people on Clubhouse or on other apps or even on you know podcasts and Facebook lives, whatever, and they're giving information and people are listening, but they're not actually taking action. Um, I really, really, really hope that you will do some sort of action after this episode ends, whether it is upping your prices, whether it is getting an estate planner, whether, whether it is something with your 401k, whether it is making sure you have people around you that can pour back into you, whatever it is, like actually take a step towards it. It could just be one step. I'm cool with it being one step, but don't listen to this and not do anything because I do feel like regardless of where we're at, if we're making, you know, 10K months, 20K months, 60K, whatever, right? Or if we're only in the beginning phases and we're not really making anything yet, there's something here to, to put in the back of your head and to start preparing for. Acting as if, I think that's really, really important when it comes to business, acting as if you have those contractors coming and those clients here and ready and making sure everything that you can set up properly is set up properly. And when you get that money coming in, you can help outsource and get what you need, right? Get the support you need from experts who are doing shit that you really don't want to be doing. And I know that that's true, right? You're a bookkeeper. I don't want to bookkeep. I don't want to bookkeep. I don't want to podcast edit, right? There are some things I know that I don't want to do. And so I absolutely will make the space to outsource for that. And so this is something to think about too, when we talk about scaling and growing and streamlining and doing all these things with automation tools, we have access to all of this. So with that being said, Natalie, that was fantastic. I feel like you really did give us a full circle of, of how you help people, how you connect, where you're located in your business and in your journey right now in the entrepreneurial land and how you help people, which is really, really powerful. So do we forget anything? Is there anything else that I forgot to ask you or that you want to make sure you get in before we hit end? I will give you points for thoroughness. I think we covered it. Awesome. 
All right, y'all. Well, you know where to find me, Whitney Danielle Co. Underscore NetworkAndSpill.com. I'm on Instagram. Make sure if you have not yet done this, you leave a rate, some kind of a rating, whether it's on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. When you leave a review, say something cute. It doesn't matter what you say as long as it's nice. And you give the five stars, obviously. If you haven't done it yet, please do it. If you've done it and you have a friend who hasn't done it, have them do it because these numbers matter and it's important. With that being said, we are going to wrap right here. We'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Natalie, thank you for being here. And we'll catch you all next time. Cheers. Cheers.